Welcome to episode number three of Strategy and Sourdough. This is Honor, and together with my co-host Thomas, we are going to be talking about research this week. That is exactly right. It is an exciting topic because that's where it all starts in building a good strategy, I think. Why did you say that? Can you elaborate a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think the um, basis of any good strategy is having a good understanding of, of what are we actually solving for, right? Whether we talk about brand strategy, which is something that we spoke about in, in our previous episodes, or whether we talk about a marketing strategy, good research will give you just a really good uh, grounding on some of the problems that may or may not exist and what those opportunities are and how we might go about uh, starting to solve them. Um, and, and that's what I think is the most important part about getting started with research. It's really about figuring out the kinds of questions you might want to ask to have a good starting point on the problems your strategy is meant to solve to begin with. And what is that mindset that you're supposed to have even before you start any work on the research? Do you think there's like a specific type of um, mindset that you should be in? And this is a bit of a loaded question. But... Yeah, yes, it, it, it certainly is. But uh, I think it's the sort of asking yourself why. Why am I doing research? And having that inquisitive mind of not having predetermined answers that you're looking to find, uh, but going into research, genuinely trying to uncover patterns or things that you might may not have known before um, and help you build a strategy and help you build these different things that then help solve these problems that you, you may not know have, have existed. I think the, the most dangerous part of going into research is having, having hypotheses that you've already in your mind validated. Confirmation bias. Yeah, exactly. So you, you kind of already know what you're looking to confirm and then you confirm it with research. That's the, that's the, the worst kind of mindset I think you, you go into research with. I think that inquisitive mindset of genuinely wanting to find something that's going on um, with your customers or, or whatever you're researching, that's the most important starting point in my personal opinion. I think it's an interesting and yet difficult point because on one hand, when you are starting your research, you need to keep a super clear and open mind and not be influenced by the biases that you might have. But at the same time, you must have a very clear question in your mind on why you are doing that research and what kind of questions that you want to answer as a result of this research. In the context of a startup, for example, if you are selling a subscription service, a research question might be, what type of audiences are the best for my business? Or another question might be, uh, what makes premium customers buy my product as opposed to uh, free customers who are currently not paying? What makes them pay? And starting with this open mindset, yet with a very well-defined question, I think is a great place to start. Yeah, and I think one of the key things is, look, if you have that right mindset, so you're ready to really go look for problems or look for opportunities or look for issues, if you um, have figured out why you're doing research, I think the, the most important part of research is not how you conduct it. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's a lot of platforms out there. I think you, you forbidden me to use um, uh, SurveyMonkey as an example because it was an example in there from fine. the 90s. But, yeah. <laughs> but we, we're not yeah, going to pick on any Luddite, particular platforms. <laughs> yeah, which I am some days. Um, but I think that the platforms and how you conduct that research isn't so important. I think the most important thing is to spend time 
focusing on the right kinds of questions so that you're finding the kinds of um, answers or the kinds of insights that might be really valuable to your strategy. So I think, you know, you, you've done a bunch of research on behalf of startups and companies before. Um, what, are, what are kind of the kinds of questions that you found really valuable and kinds of questions that startup founders might, might begin with um, as, they're, as they're looking to do research? Great question. I would like to start with qualitative research. This means having a clear idea of a couple of questions that correlate with the big question that you're trying to answer and have your uh, three, five points in front of you and pick up the phone and talk to uh, 10 different customers that you already have. These questions might be about their backgrounds and who they are, essentially the demographics, just getting to know your customers better. This could be about their attitudes, what they think about specific topics. These questions might be around how they perceive your brand or your competitor's brand or what they think your competitors are. And that gives you a really great insight into their minds. And the third set of questions, I, um, uh, which are the most valuable, but also the most difficult ones, are behavioral questions trying to uncover why they do certain things. And they are the most difficult because sometimes people don't know why they do certain things or uh, their attitudes and behaviors might not match. They may say they really care about privacy, but in the end, they might end up buying the cheapest available product that's on the market, which is not necessarily the most privacy conscious option out there. So I think uh, starting with the qualitative research is uh, super important. And the easiest way to get that done is set up interviews. I mean, if you're a big company, I would add like focus groups and ethnographic studies and all of that, but I think they are more time consuming and a bit more costly. So for most startups, a, a quick 20 minute call will reveal a lot more insights than a much bigger and expensive study would. Yeah, I agree. And we often talk about this, right? It's somehow in today's world, it seems too difficult for us to just pick up the phone and, and talk to our customers and, and spend exactly. five minutes with them. And you can uncover so many things. And what you'll find surprising and what startup founders will, I think, find really surprising is that you don't have to talk to that many customers to start actually uncovering the patterns. So if you have 10,000 customers and you speak to 50 of them or 20 of them, you're already starting to find uh, a lot of good insights. Conversely, mm -hmm. if you have 100 customers and you're starting off, speaking to five may already give you a really good view of, um, on things. I like to go into these interviews with an open mind. And to me, the most important uh, point of these interviews is to let your customers do the talking, not you. This is very difficult because as a startup founder, you're always in a sales mode. So you maybe sometimes without knowing, you try to nudge your customer in the right direction or to get them to say certain things. But I think it's very helpful to ask open-ended questions such as, what would you consider to be competitors to us? It might be an uncomfortable question, but I think it's a great question because it's not about who you think the, your competitors are, but it's about what your customers think competition might be. And I think in our previous conversation, you mentioned this and you gave a great example of using Excel as opposed to a CRM platform. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is surprising how what customers feel our comp competition is. And it's often not necessarily aligned to what we think it is as, as companies, right? So these kind of open-ended questions, I think, are great. The other question that I really like asking is, tell me how you do or walk me through kind of questions. 
So for example, if your software, let's continue along that example, this is a CRM software. A great question would be, tell me how you manage client relations today. Or can you walk me through the typical life cycle of getting a new client on board? And having your customer explain the process in his or her words is super valuable to really understand what goes inside their heads. So, okay, so qualitative, a very good way to understand behaviors, understand uh, motivations, and actually uncover some things that you just simply cannot get insights on with other methods. What do you think then on the conversely, if you look at qualitative research as one part of research, you then have the more quantitative research, which, you know, um, you can get from what your web analytics platforms and all that kind of stuff. And the sort of, um, I guess, behaviors that people might, might inhibit on your websites or your services and stuff like that. What's the role of that type of research then to complement qualitative? Fantastic question. So I, I feel that the qualitative research is great for figuring out what questions to ask and what quantitative research to go for. So it should inform your quantitative research and it should come first. To continue this example, if you start with your qualitative research and do your customer interviews, you will realize that maybe your customers are talking about convenience and that becomes a recurring theme. Or maybe they are talking about privacy or maybe they are talking about price. And once you start to uncover these themes after three, five, ten interviews, the next step should be to turn these into a hypothesis and use quantitative research to validate these hypotheses. For example, if your customers are saying that convenience is super important for us, this uh, and this could be if you have only spoken to 10 people, this could be three or four of them talking about convenience, which is not statistically representative. So how do you validate that convenience is an important driver for your business success in a, a statistically meaningful way? So the next step is to conduct a survey. So one thing that you can do is to find the right questions in uh, and put it in your survey tool of choice and send it to your entire customer base and try to get the statistically significant set of answers to that questions. Another could be, like you mentioned, the analytics tools. If there's a way for you to observe customer behaviors based on analytics tools, if they say, um, for example, customer data is super important to us, but when you look at the visits to the customer insights page of your uh, tool that you're selling, they are not visiting that page as often as um, their responses would indicate, then there's a problem. So the short answer to your question is, I think quantitative research is a great tool to validate the hypothesis that you have formed as a result of your qualitative research. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting, no, that's a really interesting approach actually, because you often see people kind of looking at qualitative and quantitative research either separately or, or looking at just doing them for, for different reasons, basically. But um, looking at it this way, where qualitative gives you really a good idea of the kinds of hypotheses that you might want to uncover and you may not have known and would have probably never figured out through quantitative research. Um, and then setting up different quantitative research methods um, to, to validate them or to see whether they are things that you want to action is, is really, really important. 
One thing that happens is people comparing quantitative versus qualitative and saying one is yeah, that's the other. yeah, that's kind of silly because they have such a different role to play play right in 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 figuring this out. And I think both of these methods are really good for um, figuring out a lot of the things that we've spoken about in our previous episodes, right? You know, you can use both of these research methods to figure out whether your pricing is right, um, whether your distribution is working, what kinds of marketing efforts you might want to talk about, but more, most importantly, what does that best customer for you really look like, um, which becomes really the basis of, of a lot of that stuff. Just that sort of that quick reminder of how important that is. You know, a lot of, a lot of times when you have those limited marketing budgets, it's more important to figure out who your best customer customers are and find more of them rather than try and talk to kind of everybody. And this research can really uncover that. However, there's kind of a third area of research, which is sort of going through existing research that other people may have already conducted that you can either buy or find. There's quite a lot of sources that you can find on, on um, you know, by Googling certain topics. And how, how would you go about blending that into these two different methods of research? Super important and completely underrated. I think Googling things has got to be at the... <laughs> top of the most valuable research tools that are. It is, however, um, however, it's also the one that we resort to way too often. I think real insights are not of always found by not talking to your customers and just going to Google though. So I, I do want to caution our listeners a little bit. Exactly, just, it's complimentary, you know, it's not substitute. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I, I found amazing stuff by just Googling PDF files, for example, and you uncover uh, research that has been sitting around in a server somewhere that uh, nobody has linked to properly and um, uh, you can get access to that file. Or um, you can use Google to find uh, research articles. I think it's called Google Scholar. That's interesting. I haven't actually, I have to, um, I have a confession to make. I haven't looked at Google Scholar or anything like that. So that's a good learning learning to go back and look at, look at into a lot of the academic studies that can provide quite a bit of insight into, uh, into the industries they were done in. That's really I'm good. I'm not blaming you because academic studies tend to be very dry and most of the time boring, but they can be super useful. No, they absolutely can. Also, I like to go and look at social media. It, it, this is a little bit of a tricky topic because everybody likes to talk about Twitter listening. And I think Twitter is definitely not a representative uh, platform for any kind of audience, unless you are super techie and your entire community is on Twitter. But it shouldn't be restricted to Twitter. There's Quora, there's Pinterest, there's um, Reddit, and uh, there's a lot of different social platforms. And people are having conversations on these platforms all the time. So, for example, I've been doing research about uh, blogging, uh, software called Ghost. And it's a new platform and there's a very small community and most of the active conversations are happening on uh, Twitter. Whereas a uh, coffee roastery that I work with, when they did their uh, customer research, they found that, that there's a huge community on Reddit that's full of coffee geeks and talking about how to roast your beans and how to store them properly. And it's a great way, even if you're not participating or um, trying to nudge that conversation just by observing what people are talking about. It's a fantastic opportunity. Another e-commerce company that I work with realized that Facebook groups for moms who want to buy clothes for their babies or toys for their babies, they are a hugely active community on Facebook. So going into 
these social platforms and participating in them, even as an um, observer, is a super valuable way to get qualitative insights into what your customers are interested in and what they care about and what they're talking about. Well, that's actually a really good sort of actionable tip for any of the listeners out there, because we can basically say, you know, what is your, what is the industry that your startup is in? What is the the sort of what are the passion points of that industry? Go and find a few groups in any of these platforms that we've just mentioned. Go join them, and if they have any RSS feeds or anything like that, sign up to them so that you're getting that feed all the time and are expo- exposed to not necessarily your product specifically, but the things that are happening in the category or the industry or with other. Um, you know, competitive uh, products or services out there. That's a really good way to stay on top of uh, perhaps where your product or service could evolve into. But there is one other thing that you mentioned the other day, which I found really, really interesting. And I've, I haven't considered this either, which is turning support tickets into customer interviews. Can you can you just ex- expand on that a little more? Because I found that super interesting. There's, most of the startups that we have worked with and, you know, have, some kind of a way or some kind of a, a support ticket system in there where, where customers can use to kind of figure out or get um, get help for some of the issues they may have with the product. So can you talk a little more about what you what you mean by that and how that can be turned into research? So for anyone who has gone through the trouble of reaching out to their customer base and trying to get 20 minutes of your time and do the calendar touches to schedule those interviews and get useful, actionable insights out of them. It's tedious and time consuming. It's tremendously valuable, but let's face it, it's difficult. But for most of the startups that have a customer support system, whether in the form of an email or hotline, this is an opportunity to start a conversation with the customers when they call you and as soon as you resolve their problem, while they're still on the phone or while they're still interacting with you over email, say, Uh, you could technically say, would you be open to spending 10 minutes with us to uh, share your experience and answer a few questions? And I think since they have already started that conversation, and especially if you have solved their problem, they would be much more willing to reciprocate. So I think this is a really interesting opportunity to turn these moments into learning opportunities, essentially. Yeah, and I think actually there's value in... uh... Whether it's a negative or a positive experience they've had, you can get some really good insights in both because you'd want to know, right? If someone's having negative, um, a negative experience, you'd, you'd want to know why and turn that, that into some qualitative insights just as much as you would if somebody's having a good experience. And then you can even ask some more, more things, uh, things about, uh, about their experience with the company and find more insights. That's really interesting. And this wouldn't be a proper research podcast episode if we didn't talk about NPS scores. I have a love-hate relationship with NPS because on one hand, I don't think it's necessarily representative on its own because it's extremely simple. On the other hand, I think the simplicity of NPS gives you a good overview on the health of how your business is performing. And another thing that uh, most startups can do very easily and quickly is integrate NPS surveys and automate that process as part of their customer delivery or support. So for example, in the context of e-commerce, if you purchased the product and within 15 days of that product being delivered to your home, that would be a great time to send an MPS uh, survey to ask and get some feedback about, um, about their experience. 
Yeah. And for, for just before you, you proceed, I think it's probably worth us kind of uh, talking about what NPS means for maybe those startup founders that haven't used it before. So what, what, what does NPS stand for and how do you collect that data? Just, just for everybody to, to know. NPS stands for Net Promoter Score. So it's a very simple uh, single question that says, how likely are you to recommend our company or products to a friend? And the answer ranges from zero to 10. So any result that you get from nine to 10 is called promoters. Any result um, that's a seven or eight is neutral. And any result from zero to uh, six is a detractor. So what you do at the end of your survey is add up all your results and look whether it's a positive uh, result or a negative result. Now. On its own, the number that you get as a result of this exercise is not particularly indicative without a benchmark, but it becomes super valuable if you look at the trend over time. So if you consistently measure your NPS score with your customers over a period of time, now you have a metric to track the health of your business, whether it's going up or down. Not so much the business, but the the satisfaction of your customers with your products and services. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a huge fan of MPS for the same reason, the simplicity of it. It's so easy to respond to that people will, will, will very likely respond to it. And again, if you use it correctly, you're benchmarking yourself against how your own, own service and product is, is developing. So it's, exactly. it's very useful for that. There's, I think, one last topic that we haven't talked about, and that is buying research. And I think that should be an option that's always on the table. There are companies like Gartner and Forrester and lesser known research uh, companies that have probably done the quantitative research that you're looking for. And I think these become super important in the context of making strategic decisions. So for example, when you're considering expanding into another geographical market, or whether you are thinking of targeting a different audience segment before you do any of these things and plan your investment, you need to figure out how big that market is and how competitive that market is going to be and so on. And to get these insights, the answer to these questions, sometimes it's a lot easier, faster to just pay the price and get access to that uh, research that's already done and available. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the pre-done research aside, there's also interesting panels that you can kind of buy into. So GWI, the Global Web Index is a really good one because it measures people's behaviors across multiple categories. So quite an intuitive tool that you can kind of go into and find really interesting insights. Now, of course, that comes with licensing fees and things like that. But um, if you want to save time and, and, um, and find insights that are readily available, exploring getting a license from one of the existing panels might be a really interesting place to start also. And since you started dropping resources into this, uh, two things that just came to my mind. Uh, One of them is the um, search engine optimization tools, not necessarily for search engine optimization, but for keyword research. So if you start, uh, and most of these tools, one of them is called SEMrush, another one is called Ahrefs. And uh, we'll put the links into the episode notes. So one of the really interesting things that these tools uh, provide is 
access to the specific keywords that your existing or potential customers are searching. So if you're trying to sell uh, CRM software, what specific words or related keywords that your audience is searching? I think this is a great place to look into. Another thing that I really like is uh, Google Trends. These are super high level collection of keywords that Google aggregates and analyzes. And that gives you a very broad idea of where the market is going in specific areas. And there's another actually startup called Exploding Topics. And what they do is analyze Google Trends and identify the breakouts, things that are really exploding in the short term. And if you are trying to come up with a new idea or explore and venture into a new territory, I think that's a great uh, resource to check out as well. Yeah, that's a good point because ultimately you're not going to be searching for something on Google if you're not aware of it. So Google search is always actually the insights that come from that have been a great indicator of top of mind behavior and especially some of the things that have emerged from there. So we've spoken about a lot of different topics. Let me try to um, summarize some of the things that we spoke about. So when do you start doing research? Well, research will become really the, the starting point for any strategy, whether you're working on brand strategy or product strategy or marketing strategy or whatever your strategy is, is meant to do. And the right kind of mindset, as, as you pointed out rightly for, for research, is to have that inquisitive sort of mindset where um, you're actually looking for things that you might not have known before, right? So having some hypotheses is healthy, but not having decided what you want to find in advance is also even healthier. And a few different types of research to, to focus on is qualitative. So literally asking questions in different formats, whether it's face-to-face -face or on the phone or through surveys that try to uncover behaviors and more opinion type things. And, and open-ended questions help the most because they help you uncover things from a competitor set or from your products or from the market that you may not have known. And then once you do that, complementing that with quantitative research to try and uncover how large some of these trends are is, is very helpful. And then, of course, your, your biggest resource out there, which is Google and all the research that's already published out there and, and complementing your other research efforts from there. And then really looking at different ways to, to do that. So either through ready-made indexes or, or keyword research or different startups or different companies and all of these things done together not forgetting your, your brilliant idea around how support tickets can be turned into customer interviews and all of these sort of creative ways to find, find avenues to talk to your customers. All of these will give you a really good idea of what's happening in your business um, that you may not have been aware of and will really just help you identify strategies to solve the right problems um, and, and provide better solutions for all of these problems. Precisely. That's a fantastic summary. And I think if there's one thing that I could add, that's to keep an eye on the price. The goal of the research is to inform the strategy so you can make some decisions and take action. If your research is broken or if you haven't taken the time to make the research, you won't be able to create a coherent strategy and therefore you won't be able to take focused action and therefore it will be a lot more difficult to succeed. So in my mind, research is the starting point for everything that you do. Yeah, absolutely. And also helps you focus because you won't have the resources or the, on the funding, whether you're early stage or super late stage or super successful company to do everything. So research helps you uncover what to focus on and how to spend, best spend your, the funds available to you. 
precisely. Well, Mr. Honor, it's been fun today. Um, it's been a great session. And uh, thank you very much for all of you guys listening. And I'm really looking forward to our next episode.